All right. Welcome to Money Matters, episode 13 with Matt and Rich. Hi, Rich. We've got a very special guest today. Uh, I was saying that you're like um, uh, Seacoast North. I am. Seacoast yeah. North. Uh, Matt, the lumberjack yeah. landlord from Seacoast North. <laughs> uh, Good to be here. Excited. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's great you, that you've, uh, you know, volunteered your time to give it to us. Sure. You know? Yeah. And uh, excited to hear about, you know, kind of some of the things that we chatted about or that you were thinking about uh, bringing on with the five, uh, four, three, two, one. Uh, sure. If you want to touch base on any of the 50, 40, 10 stuff, that's cool too. But um, sure. yeah, yeah. We've got rates going up. Yeah. Matt, real yeah. quick, what do you think? Yeah, rates are going up. That's, I think we talked about last week that they hit seven. It's still kind of in the same boat, so nothing new there. We've, I mean, we've stabilized for a week, so that's wonderful news. Mm-hmm. Um, that's unusual <laughs> in today's market. Um, but, we, yeah, we're still kind of, you know, high sixes to seven. Um, investment stuff is, you know, seven and a half, seven to seven and three-eighths kind of, or seven and seven-eighths, Jesus, all day. Like, it's just kind of where where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's people still need houses. You know, it's it hasn't reached that point yet. We are, you know, fearing it may once they keep rising to eight, possibly even nine. That's you know that's where we, that's where it's going to get tough because um, real estate's a quarter behind from what we see anyway. So the market right now we feel is reacting to the rates being in the fives, not at seven, and things are already drastically slowing down. So this winter may be a little slow. So sure we're bracing for it. Yep, yep. Well, Matt, the lumberjack landlord, welcome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, can you give uh, me us a brief, uh, you know, who you are, what you do, and uh, what you want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. So I'm Matt, the lumberjack landlord. I've been landlording for 22 years. I've been buying investment property. I started my investment journey actually in Massachusetts. I did a health pack. Um, and now I am in New Hampshire and been investing in New Hampshire for about 20, a little over 20 years. Nice. Um, my kind of specialty, my claim to fame was really focusing on uh, small multifamily so I could house hack. Nice. Nice. So you'd move in when you say house hack uh, for anybody that doesn't know when you move in, you yep. probably fix it up, make it nice for yourself, yep. make it nice for the tenants and move yep. on to the next yeah, one. Yeah, usually the plan was, yeah, the value of that was, you know, really being able to get owner-occupied financing. Mm-hmm. I would go in, I'd fix the unit, and then that would be the unit that we would give up to the tenant, uh, and then we would fix ours. Yeah. Um, and so we did that nine times in 13 years, and uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was a way to really build a real estate portfolio. Yeah. Um, were you married at the time, engaged, uh, girlfriend when you started? No, yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I was curious about that too. Honestly, I've got clients. I yeah. tried to, uh, I tried to entice to take the bad unit and rent out the good unit, and um, the significant other could not be convinced. Oh, was to do having so. none of it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no. It's a, it's it depends. It depends really on what your goals are. You know, if you want to do it more comfortably, sure, do it that way. If you want to do it faster and make more money, do it my way. Yeah. Um. And do you have to live with a little bit of nuance? Yeah, you do. But so, like, I would rather get through the pain faster than have it drag on longer. Um, and so, yeah. So, from I think the first how the first few house hacks. I think when I got married, I had five. Gotcha. I had five buildings. I had eight units. 
uh, or no, five built, no, uh, four buildings, eight units. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was good. And then that was one of the conversations we had before we got married, which was, I'm not giving this up. We're going to keep on building it. Yes. And so we've been together for 17 years and now I've got, or we've got 135 units. Wow. That's great. Yeah. I think an important conversation to have when uh, you're going down this yes. path is with the, any person that's going to be involved with you is this is my goals. These are my plans. What are yeah. yours? Do they match? Because yep. and the reason why I'm doing this, right? Like <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is going to build for all of us, right. not just for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, I was the one working the 70 hour a week corporate grind job. Yeah. And I was putting her through nursing school. That's awesome. And so it was like, this is what we want to do. And so she graduated from SNHU with her bachelor's or her uh, BSN. Nice. Uh, she's been a nurse in the market for a number of years, but yeah, it's a, an important conversation to have in any of those relationships in your life and make sure that you're on the same page. Because if you're not, then I think you have to make difficult decisions. You either have to give up on that dream that of this is how I'm going to reach financial freedom. Or, I mean, quite frankly, I probably would have broken up over something like that because yeah. I was very focused on what I wanted to accomplish. And I, and I didn't want to be working in my fifties and my sixties and my seventies. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. so many people have to, well, not interested. Especially if you're going to own, <laughs> you say 135 units. I mean that yeah. it takes two people to be on board with that. You can't you can't just convince yeah. somebody to yeah. to own that. They need to be willing and wanting to do that as well. Right. Um, so it definitely takes yeah. a special <laughs> a special someone to do that. Yeah, I did yeah. it. I, I did mean, it backwards. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> did it backwards. Now yeah, I'm gonna I pay still, all the money for for down payments and yeah. fix them. I, I still I still work full time too. So. Um, yeah, it was just ebbs and flows, but recognizing that the chief strategy in place, cause we still manage all of our own units as well. So we have maintenance people that we give them enough work where it's as simple as a text message, mm -hmm. but we're still the ones interfacing with our tenants. Right. Um, we don't, they're not just going to some nameless, faceless, you know, um, management firm that puts it on a list. They're actually talking with the ownership. Right. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, so <laughs> what would be... Uh, you had mentioned something about four, three, two, one. What sure. um, what kind of strategy is that? What do you think the value in it is, is of doing something like that? Yeah, so if people want more detail, I've got a video on my channel, Lumberjack Landlord, on YouTube. But kind of the the overarching view of four, three, two, one is, as you guys know, um, right now you can get ten loans in your name. However, there was a time where you could only do four. The other thing too is is that. Uh, Fannie and Freddie as underwriters to a deal, they don't want investors using their loan products to build their portfolios. Mm -hmm. That was always something that depending on the market, depending on the economy, depending on the current political state, people would you know, go back and forth on you see different policies. One of the policies that's always been able to be in place is my 4321 strategy, which is people understanding that you can absolutely do what I call a regular house hack, which is you get a four unit building, and you live in one of the units and then you rent out the other three units. And in many cases with programs, and we can speak to this on the mortgage side, how much of that, um, how much of that rent will actually count towards the mortgage when you're living in it as an owner off. Mm -hmm. You can also do what's called a super hack, which is you can do actually renting out three units, but then also rent out rooms to roommates in your unit. So I've helped some folks do what's called a super hack. And that means that they're renting out to roommates and they're renting out the three units. And in most cases, actually in every case, they're living for free 
And in every case, they're making money on the monthly basis. And most people in their mid-20s, late 20s, are, are readily able to live with roommates. Right. So the, the concept of the 4321 strategy is basically following the guidelines that the government gives us, which is they want to see you go from a four unit to a three unit to a two unit to a one unit. They don't want to typically see you go from a two to a four. Right. You typically would have to make a re- you know, have a legitimate reason like I'm moving areas, I've got reduced income, and this is the reason for that. A lot of times that really depends on if you've got somebody really good like Matt in your corner, not me, Matt, that Matt. <laughs> So if you've got the right Matt in your corner on this one, you use my strategy, then you work with a guy like Matt and you say, legitimately, this is my concern and this is what I'm trying to do. You can either then keep your single family home and rent it out, but I have seen people with single families sometimes get approved to then do the 4321, but often they don't often they don't like to see that or approve that. So when you start off, when your first home purchase isn't a single family home, you know, when you don't have to push for, I really want the white picket fence, I want my own walls, I want no neighbors, you can do all of that stuff, but let's face reality. In a few years, there's likely going to be kids running around. You have no privacy whatsoever. So having tenants that are paying you is far better than having kids that don't pay. I know. I build my kids and I never get anything. <laughs> and they're always trying to take it out in hugs and kisses. And don't I always worry. relent. But yeah, I, just, I was like, I was like, well, I love you. And that's wonderful. You're still short. Right. Um, and I think that's a great so, point that, that not a lot of yeah. people realize is, yeah. like you said, you know, you it's not easy at all, if possible, to go from a two unit to a four unit, especially if you're going to buy in the same town in the same area. The government doesn't, they won't approve it. It needs to be an extenuating circumstance where, you know, family got bigger or there has to just be some justification and underwriting has to approve it. So not only do you need to convince the government, you got to convince an underwriter that is just looking at your situation as a whole and is saying, does this make sense? Because if it doesn't right. make sense at all, even though it could be a very logical reason, they're not they're mm-hmm. not going to approve it. So that's a, that is a great point that not right. a lot of people a talk about or just know. Yeah, and I think that that's really the key, right? Like this this strategy was devised based on what the rules and regulations are. Right. So I'm working within the rules and regs. Yep. That's my big thing. Is I'm not. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. This is going to be an owner box. Right. Don't do that. That's mortgage fraud. That gets you a nice set of silver handcuffs. Yeah. Don't do that. Right. The right. real easy way to do this is be on the straight and narrow, have a great mortgage broker, like a guy like Matt and have the conversation where you're saying, this is my goal, stated goal right from the beginning. I want to move into a four. I want to be there 12 to 18 months, have it stabilized. Then if rates are lower, I'll refinance and try and cash out. Mm-hmm. If rates are higher or even, I'm going to leave that loan behind and I'm going to go do my next one. Because what most people also don't know FHA might be three and a half percent down. VA might be zero percent down. But even conventional, if you can hit sustainability with a conventional loan at five percent down, you can still buy a four unit with five percent down. It just has to hit sustainability. Correct. Yep. Well, and I think uh, important thing you said is you know have the open and honest conversation from you know yes. what you're trying to do yep. because if you know either I or Matt. Um, the lender here, uh, would hear like, hey, I'm trying to get a two unit, then I'm going to go to a four unit, then I'm going to go to three. And it's like, well, hold on. The strategy might be a little different. 
Right. Let's talk about that yeah. strategy and what that might look like, and, and maybe we can adjust it to the four three two one. Yeah. You know, well, that, and I can yeah. help guide you at that point yeah. to actually hit That's your right. goals versus saying, "Oh yeah, let's just do it," and then, yeah. "Oh crap, yeah, we can go for the two unit and then to the four, but now you're going to put twenty five percent down." So yeah, technically you can, but is it the most efficient way and the most cash friendly way to do it? Absolutely not. And the way that the underwriters That's are going to approve it. Yeah. Right. Right. That's right. So you're having to kind of serve all these masters. You're going to have to make sure that the underwriter approves it. You're going to have to make sure that the government's not going to kick back the loan. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that your debt to income ratio is where it needs to be. Well, guess what? If you have three renters paying you rent and that's recognized in the purchase of the home, your debt to income is going to look awesome mm -hmm. because three, every single four unit I have ever bought, three units more than covers the mortgage. Mm -hmm. Every one I've ever bought. Right. And so I think that that's the value is it gets people on the property ladder in a meaningful way. It does it within the rules. And we always like to joke about, because obviously we're not financial advisors and I don't have mm -hmm. a crystal ball, but we like to say that this is get rich for sure, not get rich quick. Right. And so I look at the properties that I bought 10 years ago that I was still living in. I'm not that far away from my hacks. I've only lived in a single family house for my family for four years. I was 40 years old when I moved into my first single family home. There was always for us that we were never going to do anything else to right. 40 over 40. So I was absolutely dedicated to the goal. We've grown the business year after year, but I house hacked in multiple house hacking units that I still own. Mm -hmm. And I started doing that. We did that nine times in 13 years and we were dedicated to that being the goal. So even if that was my only portfolio of, you know, nine different deals in 13 years. The cool thing is, is that that was, I think based on the unit count for those buildings, because you kind of sometimes go duplex to duplex, mm -hmm. but you can't go duplex to fourplex very often. Mm -hmm. Like that's really hard to do because you have to have a lot of reasons. So this four, three, two, one strategy is very simple. It gets people on the property ladder. It also lets them see if they're, if they like being a landlord, if they can tolerate it, if this is something that they can either a get good at or B to say, you know what? It affords us a lifestyle we wouldn't otherwise have. Yep. And we don't know if Social Security is going to be around when they're 65 or 70. That's we don't true. know what their 401k is going to be a 201k. We don't know that stuff. And quite frankly, we don't know if the property value, if history tells us anything over a 30-year period, the property value is probably double or triple. But let's just say it's only worth the same thing. At least at that point, it's paid off. Correct. Right. Because the difference between the net worth of a renter and a net worth of a homeowner is a net worth of a renter is $6,000. The net worth of a homeowner is $226,000. Right. You tell me which camp you want to be in. And right. I'm just saying the 4321 strategy is how you get there by not completely upending your life. You still have to live somewhere. Yep. You're likely living in an apartment, shopping for a home. Get into the 4321 strategy. And that means over the course of the next five to eight years, you'll have 10 units of rental properties. You'll likely be making thousands of dollars a month that you don't have to show up for other than making sure you treat your tenants right, mm -hmm. make sure that you get maintenance things taken care of, and then you're really on your way to then having your mortgages paid off for you over the course of the next 20 to 30 years, and then having a massive multi-million dollar nest egg waiting for you. Right. right. Now, did you trademark the phrase super hack yet? I didn't. Yeah, you, you should. <laughs> I like Probably, that. Right? I like that. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've helped out a number of people in their 20s. So this isn't a 35, 45, 55-year-old mm -hmm. game. You can get into it then if you want to, but 
you get rocks in your head if you're in your mid twenties and you're shopping for a single family home. Mm-hmm. No disrespect, but sort of a little. <laughs> so work from your hands. So this is how we talk. I would, right? I would tend to so, agree, and I try and push every uh, new yeah. homeowner, first time buyer that comes to me. I say, are you sure you don't want to do this? Yes. I would recommend mm-hmm. this until you, because it's a, you're a first time home buyer for a reason. Because it's your first home. You're, you're not going to be there very right. long. Why don't you do right. this? And yes. and even if you just do it once and then right. get into that first that exactly. that next home. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You're you're, exactly. you're not a, you know, you're a move up buyer. That's probably going to happen once and it will likely happen two times. So you could go exactly right. first time multifamily buyer, second time multifamily buyer and then to your final home. Mm-hmm. If that's exactly. what you're, what you're, that's likely this the scenario. Right. Um it's yeah. it's easier said than done though, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, people can, um, people can choose to work the grind for 40, yep. you know, work the grind for 40 years, 40 hours a week for 40 years. And then you get 40% enjoy your life. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm going to play. I'm not here to convince you. If you want financial freedom, you better do something different than everybody else. Right. Well, and going against, and, and doing something different is usually the tough part. You know, being a little different, going sure. against the grain is different. Um, you know, that's, do you, do you realize how many people gave me a hard time when I would have to leave events to go take care of a landlord issue? Jimmy, and do you know now that they all swim in my pool at the summertime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's just the way it goes. I know. I know. It's like it, there's small sacrifices for long-term benefit, you know, small Absolutely. sacrifices for a long-term benefit. Right. right. I mean, I've, I've got a 25 year old that I helped 25 years old made a little over 60 grand a year, got him into a fourplex with $8,000 down. Beautiful. Eight grand down. That's it. We structured the deal where they paid closing costs, overpaid. It did appraise, but there's a bunch of strategies around that. Again, that's why a great agent like Rich or a great lender like Matt, that's why those guys are important is because you need to say, I want to make sure that I'm putting as little cash into the deal as possible. And I'm hitting all of my maximum credits, mm-hmm. you know, getting that 3% seller credit. You might not have been able to do that a year ago or six months ago, but you can sure as heck do you it sure now. She can do it now. That's right. for sure. So you, you get those, you get those seller credits. So he walked to the table with 8,000, like $800. He moved in. He was able to spend a little bit of money that he had left over on redoing the unit that he was moving into. I was like, if you really want to do that, like, I'm not going to bless it, but whatever. <laughs> so he wanted a really nicer unit. So he upgraded a bunch of stuff in his unit. When it was all said and done, he lives there for free. He makes a thousand bucks a month. His return on his capital was less than a year. <laughs> and he owns a four and he owns a four unit building that still pays him over a thousand bucks a month and he lives there for free. His next deal that he goes into, he's gonna live for free in that next unit, and his unit's probably worth twelve or thirteen hundred bucks a month. He's gonna be making twenty three hundred bucks a month on that building, at least for the for the rest of time. Yeah, for as long as he owns I, it. I just, Exactly. I just don't know why anybody would say, no, no, no. I prefer to be poor in the long run. Let's buy a single family home that doesn't bring us any cash flow whatsoever because we are so tired of living next to people that it's worth 2000 or $3,000 a month to do that. Well, okay. and, the, and the Robert Kiyosaka, rich dad, poor dad, you know, buy assets, you know, not liabilities, your yeah. primary residence, uh, single family is a liability. You know, it's not bringing you in any yep. money unless 
can figure out a way to to monetize it. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I talked I talked to my wife about moving in roommates. She's not for it. No, so, no. But we're gonna we're, we let we let that one die. She's like, listen, we house hacked for thirteen years. We're we're, we're not bringing anybody. Yeah. It's like, all right, that's fine. what about an ADU? But 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 the key is, I have other assets now paying for my asset. Your right. liability. Yeah, my liability. Yes. That's yeah. correct. I don't write a check every month. I don't write a check for my mortgage. I don't. It's covered by my rental units. I don't write a check for my mortgage. I live here for free. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's important. I mean, uh, you know, the the cash flow while rates were so low, you know, because I bought um, majority of the properties when, with 3% debt, which was phenomenal. Um, oh. I didn't care oh. what the price was. I just bought it. Um, and that Great. is, you know, it, obviously that helps with cash flow. Um, yes. doesn't necessarily help with, you know, if the market drops or anything, but you know what, the cash flow stays the same, you know, that that's all good. Um, well, and you know, you're going to hold that asset for 30 plus years. So what it does right. in the next 12 months means absolutely nothing. <laughs> no. yeah. Matt, Matt, you hit the nail on the head. It doesn't matter. Like, so every year and Matt, you know, this is the mortgage broker. Every year I have to fill out my PFS, yep. my personal financial statement. As an investor, that's the only time every year I look at it. Right. That's it. Because I don't care. I have never, ever, ever been able to walk into a place and go, I'm not sure you understand how much I'm worth. I would like to buy that. They're like, okay, it costs money. No, no, no. But I have it on my PFS. I don't know. Mm -mm. The personal financial statement and how much you're actually worth means nothing. Mm -hmm. What the asset is actually worth largely means nothing. Everybody thinks they're getting approved for a $400,000 home. You're not. You're getting approved for the payment. Because if that house is four hundred thousand, or five hundred thousand, or eight hundred thousand, if it's a four hundred thousand dollar house, no one cares what your personal financial statement says. They only care that you've got good credit and that you can afford the payment as a, as to what the DTI is. Yep. So people have been thinking about, well, oh my gosh, houses are so expensive. No, 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 no. Look at the payment. And if the payment's expensive, yeah, I get it. It certainly is now. It's seven points. Mm -hmm. But Rich, to your point. I did 17 deals in the last 18 months. The three that I'm closing on this puts me at 20 deals in 18 months. I've never done that. I mean, that almost doubled our portfolio size. I'd never done that many deals. The only reason I did was because I was getting three and a half, three, seven, five, four, oh, rates. Yeah, it's a no brainer. I bought as much as I possibly could. Made sense because it was. It's all about that cash flow. It's that's what it matters. That's why the rate matters. Is because it's about cash flow. If you find a property now, I don't care if the rate's eighteen. If the rate's eighteen and I can still make twenty points on my money, I still do the deal because I don't care about the rate. I care about my income on the money I invested. Right. And at, and at any point, you could just refi that rate down. Right. When rates have evidently and will come down, and then you're making more cash flow on the money. So just more and yeah, more I mean, and more. They yeah, they certainly may. I mean, you know, we could be we could be in like the late seventies, early eighties scenario, where rates you know to break inflation go to eleven or twelve or thirteen, mm -hmm. even if they are at eight or nine or ten. I just need to make sure the asset right now today makes me money, Correct. and that I'm not counting on appreciation. Right. right. I in my entire business portfolio, I have zero calculator for appreciation. Do you know why? I can't spend appreciation. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, it's got a can't. cash flow. I can only spend cash flow. Cash flow day one, and then as you know, to Matt's point that you know in the future, you know three, five, six years, you can refi to right. a lower rate, and well, now cash flows even more. Beautiful, you know right. yep. uh, that that's fantastic. Exactly. Um, yeah, you hope it comes back around, right? Yeah, it will eventually. But to what level? Do we do we ever hit two and a half or three again? No, no. God no. Probably. Yeah, God no. And <laughs> that's the thing too. You don't want to buy the deal 
in the hopes that it comes down so then you eventually Correct. make the money you want to make you want to make the money that you want to make on the house at this moment in time we have far too many people sitting on the sidelines smoking hopium <laughs> they just are they are yep, yep, they're no, just sitting on the sidelines that. smoking hopium and they're just like it's gonna come down yeah it might but if rates are were six and it was 500k and now rates are eight and a half and it's 400k your payments higher still Right. And this was the argument that I was having with all these crashers. You know, the mm -hmm. crash. okay, yeah. maybe it probably will. That's fine. Let's say it does. At the end of the day, what I look at is I look at the return on my capital that I'm putting into the deal right then and there. And I'm also trying to understand what is the tax benefit that I have of investing in real estate, which is far greater than renting. Yeah. Renting is zero. Tax benefit investing is off the charts. And then the second thing is, most importantly is, I can always refi data later on down the road. Maybe that's 10 years from now. I don't know, but you have no idea what rates are going. They can mm -hmm. go to 12. Mm -hmm. Then what? Did right. the price come? Like if you waited to buy at three and you're trying to buy right now at seven, guess what? You have to have the price go down of that property 48%. That is a bad debt. That is a bad debt. Yeah. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not coming down 48%. If my, I, my call is 10 to 20% over the next couple of years. I think we give back 10 to 20% over the next couple of years. Because if you look at New Hampshire's affordability index, we are in the trash affordability-wise. Right. And I get it. But we had a lot of out-of-state buyers. We had tons of people from New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts. Guys, stop coming into our state. We don't need that. <laughs> they, they definitely yeah. drove up the price with their you know, cash offers because they, you know, they sold their property, uh, sure. driving up things 40 50% over the last two years. And I mean – yeah. yeah, and I agree. I think over the next two years, we'll probably see twenty percent. I was like, okay, great. It doesn't go back down to pre-pandemic levels, no. and the interest yeah. rates are higher. No. Mm -hmm. So, right, it's and, and eventually inflation inflation breaks. Eventually, demand dies. You know, I I know that we we kind of talk about it a little bit tongue in cheek. The next year or two is going to be painful. It's going to suck. Yep. Because we are not going to be doing 7 million transactions on an annualized basis. We're going to be doing four or under four. And what does that mean? That means whatever you made, even if you're the best hustle with the bustle, it doesn't matter. You're probably still, your business is going to be half off or 40% off. You think uh, cash buyers will ha now have like an opportunity to get things? I mean, there, there will I still be opportunities out there for people to get them cash conventional, whatever it is, for under market value. But... The cash buyers, you think they uh, have a leg up? I think cash buyers probably have a leg up. I think the issue is there are going to be far fewer cash buyers. Mm -hmm. Because where are those people getting those ca that cash from? They're getting that cash from selling in a much more expensive market and coming into our less expensive market, number one. Mm -hmm. And that's those sales have drastically slowed down, number one. Number two is those cash buyers would also take money out of their absolute blowing up stock portfolio. Well, guess what? It blew up in a bad way. Mm -hmm. So now it's down 20%, 30%, 40%, depending on what stock you're in. So the money's not going to come from there. Are they going to get these big, huge, massive bonuses from big financial firms that they work at? Nope, those are gone too because now their number for the year is going to be down, mm -hmm. even though at the beginning of the year it looked like they were going to be up 10 or 20 points. They've given all that back and then some, just like they walked into you know a casino. So when it's all said and done, I think that the real pressure is going to be on a lot of these cash buyers that disappeared. The cash buyers that remain on the investment side will be able to buy some stuff up, but I think that a number of them aren't doing the math on their own portfolio to recognize that they probably can't withstand a 30% drop in rents, not price, but vacancy, people not paying. Yep. 
that's what's going to be the next epidemic to manage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where do rents go? Where does the vacancy go when people are losing jobs uh, throughout a recession? Yeah, and you know, making sure you've got good quality, stable units uh, and buildings yeah. now uh, to weather that. Uh, even good, even good quality, stable though. Like, there's a bunch of people that are on rent assistance that have made it look like the asset stable on a, on a spreadsheet. But when rental assistance rents out, I can tell you literally 100% of my tenants where rental assistance ran out, 100% of them didn't make that first month's rent. I was just going to say that. There's probably a 100% chance they needed the assistance because that's why they were on yeah. it. Well, well my, my challenge, the, the concern that I have there is if you got 18 months worth of assistance and you can't pay that first month's rent after that, you weren't trying. Correct. You How could you not save offensive. enough? You weren't trying. Yeah. No, but it's true. How exactly. could you not save enough? At least to make the first month. But that's the thing is it's 100% of our tenants that have finished one of these assistance programs. 100% of them have not made that first month rent payment. We give them 90 days notice, 60 days notice, 30 days notice, two weeks notice. Hey, your rent's going to be due this month, this date. Hey, your rent's going to be due this month, this date. Hey, your rent's going to be due this month, this date. I say it that way because that's how I feel like I'm saying it to them. And they're not accounted for the fact that assistance is going to be gone in 90 days and that they're not going to have the rent to pay it. Right. And then my only option is eviction. I don't want to evict, but I we aren't close enough where I can pay your rent for you. Right. I already pay the mortgage and wait for your rent payment to come in. So you're paying me back for my credit and for my purchasing the building. I don't have the money to float yet. We're not that close. Right. Yeah. Your kids are already getting that from what it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. It's running, it's running a business. And so I see continued pressure in that market and, and all of our markets. I think the thing that scared me most was I was in the Manchester market during the Great Recession. That market went down faster than you could blink an eye. That's what I've like heard from, one, from other guys uh, that I've talked to that yeah. have been in it for a while. They're like, you know, the, these urban, urban cities get hit hard and hit first. Hard. Hard, hard and fast. I can tell you. Uh, August of 08, I had eight paying tenants. September of 08, I had three paying tenants. Wow. October of 08, I had one paying tenant. Holy crap. Yeah, I've got a <laughs> building that does concern me in uh, on the west side of Manchester that um, I think I've got one quality that won't need any assistance out right. of the three units. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. And we're seeing uh, and troubles from, from the other two already. And yeah, and that's really the challenge is, you know, I want to help people and I want to provide housing for people and I get it down and out. I get bad life circumstances. I get you had a rough go of it. But 18 months, that's now, we're now in the territory of not unlucky. We're in the territory of now bad decisions. Yep. Yep. You know, and so you have to be able to write the, write the ship over an 18-month period because 18 months is enough to fix almost anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been my, that's my biggest concern kind of for the market going forward. Now, that said, you know, we're actually coming out with something where landlords will be able to stress test their their own portfolio. What do you mean? Um, so we've actually put together, uh, basically we'll put together an application where you'll be able to get this app from us and they'll be able to put in all of their financials and then they'll be able to play with the numbers of input that matter, which is like delinquency of rent or vacancy rate they can play with that so they can start to see the numbers and it can start to forecast for them the weeks of life they have left financially. Something you created or? It is. Wow. Oh, nice. Is. Where can someone uh, yeah. look up information on that? 
So that will be on the Lumberjack Landlord. We'll actually have that video, I believe, is being released next week. We just finished um, the app uh, about a week ago, and I'm just beating the tar out of it mm -hmm. because I am really, really, really annoyed when I download something and it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, nope, every scenario, like let's even enter in bad numbers and make sure it doesn't give us good information. Right. So everything that we've done but the really cool thing is everybody will be able to enter in the eight pertinent numbers that they have which is what are my gross rents you know what are my taxes what is my insurance what are my mortgages you know one-time costs they can enter in all of that stuff and they can quickly get a report card that shows them hey your margin's this and you have this many months of life left at that margin now some it might be infinitum right because you're making enough money that even if you go to 30 percent you're still making your nut you're mm -hmm. still making your expenses However, you need to find and play with the numbers to see where's your breaking point. Right. Is right. it at 40%? Is it at 30%? Is it at 20%? And so I would count a vacancy the same thing as somebody not paying rent. Because then you also, I don't know about you guys, but I account for an eviction costing me at least 3000 bucks. Oh, but that's smart. Based, yeah. On, yeah, based on time and rent, based on time and rent loss. Right. I was going to say the rent loss, especially like, you do, it's the rent like, loss is a bigger piece. Yeah, you can't yeah. just evict someone and two weeks later they're gone, right? It's a whole process we've got to go right. through. And exactly, exactly. So what advice would you give uh, someone who bought their uh, first home single family? They're maybe in their twenties um, and now are thinking maybe let's try and do some investing. Um, you know, mm -hmm. is it condo? Is it multifamily? Like no, it's not condo ever. Um, I, I don't care where the condo is. It has an HOA and HOAs stands for, I don't play well with parties, <laughs> like not interested in ever doing a deal. I had one deal in the HOA. It was my biggest nightmare when I, I was in the place for two years and my unit was special assessed for $70,000. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome, no, to, yeah, welcome to having an HOA. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. So not approved. Yeah. So uh, thankfully I bought in the right building at the right time. So thankfully I was able to exit, but I didn't exit with any money. I would have exited with 70 grand. Instead I exited with basically zero. I basically exited being able to not write a check for closing costs. And right. Stuff. right. Yeah. So, so that was more than a little bit of a night. Yeah. So I would absolutely go multifamily. I would absolutely house hack. The other thing too is when you are house hacking, you have control over rooming. So if you bought that single family house, I would at least be renting out the rooms you're not using. Mm -hmm. I would at least be doing that because that, you know, picking roommates is different than picking tenants. Although some of the rules apply, but yeah, if I'm in my mid twenties, I mean, I started doing this when I was 20, uh, 23 years old. That's, that was my first house hack. I was 23. And that was the condo that I bought into and got a $70,000 assessment two years later that made me want to cry because I lost all my money. All my equity went poof in the night. Right. Yeah, but what a great learning lesson. I was going to say. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, want to give me that 70 grand so I can reinvest it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's give me this, give me this. Give me this. Give me a seventy thousand bucks seventeen years ago and let's see where I turn that into now. Right. right? Well, that's like, um, um, you know, an associate's degree. It, yeah, it cost, it cost me millions, millions of that 70 grand cost me millions. I was going to say probably 10 or 20 fold. You would have, you would have made on that thing. At least, at least it cost me millions of dollars that loss. So like I said, I always try and talk to people about if I'm not here to convince you, don't do it. 
Don't become a landlord. Don't do the 4321 strategy. Move into your single family house. Struggle paying bills. Know that you're going to work until you're at least 65, if not 70 years old. And the way to get to wealth is not by saving every penny. The way to get to wealth is by creating multiple income streams. That's the way people get wealthy. Mm -hmm. If you look at people that are wealthy, they don't have a, a great job. They have a great job in multiple revenue streams. Yeah. The statistic is seven income streams for uh, yeah. wealthy billionaires. You know, yeah. if you can get so we like four so, or five. Yeah. So we have legitimately, we have three that are really good. Mm -hmm. Um, we get them really good and then we get the next thing mm -hmm. and adding more revenue streams is easier when you have more things that you can kind of peel off. For me, I can open up a property management firm tomorrow and be a better property manager than 90% of the property management in the market because I'm a landlord mm -hmm. you and I actually know how to take care of stuff. Yeah. And, and so, and I'm instantly my own biggest customer. I got 135 units. I start with day one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. How difficult is it to reach out to a landlord and say, hey, you've got 20 units. This is how we manage ours. We bring you into the system. Also, our cost is lower. So we look at avenues and opportunities like that. But for right now, my passion is helping people out, making sure that they're not making the wrong decisions. Because I remember what it was like watching my friends really struggle to make the mortgage for a decade. Right. That's awful yeah like yeah. remove the fun i mean there's a reason i'm 45 and you don't see any gray <laughs> and it's not because i dye my hair you know it's like it's because i've put myself in a pretty good life position i've worked hard but hard work doesn't turn your hair gray stress does yeah it's true you know or what about hair or loss? maybe you gotta maybe you, maybe you're married to mrs nags a lot <laughs> but, but I'd, i'm not i'd rather work hard and you know be ten, twenty million dollar net worth, whatever, sure. whatever the number is, versus you know working sure. hard just to live every month and pay for my groceries yeah. and you know have to worry about gas prices and it's just yeah. it's different. Everyone, it's, it's how hard you want to work in what area. <laughs> sure, everyone, you you need to find something that you love. You need to make sure that you get elite at it. You need to skill up. Mm -hmm. You know, I made mistakes in my first few, of course, but with the amount of information out there, I've got three hundred and twenty eight videos on what I've done to build my business over the last 22 years. So there's a ton of data there and don't listen to one person, listen to multiple people. But even me as an investor now of 135 units, I still listen to four to five hours a week of content of other creators because I want to learn what they know. And maybe I've got a blind spot. Mm -hmm. I don't know everything, but I think it's just like anything else, right? Just because you're the greatest player in the game, you know, and that's up for debate on which sport and what, what you know, um, who that player is. But let's just say you're the best player in the game. Let's say it's baseball. If you're the best in the game and you're the most feared hitter, you're still going to not make it on base six out of ten times. Right. So you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to be perfect. But you have a much higher probability of hitting success when you're the best player and that's what you get paid for. Mm -hmm. So – my average when I started, yeah, I was a bench guy. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had to figure it out, make a lot of mistakes. I share my journey with people because you can eliminate the mistakes that they make or at least reduce the, the, the financial cost of them. Mm -hmm. And then I put myself in a position where I continue to skill up. And now I can look at a deal. I can walk a property and I can tell you what the number is to rehab it. I can tell you is what I'm going to pay you for it. And if either of those are no, then okay, we're fine. We, we can move on. Yeah. We'll do the next one. I'm right. not married to any deal. Right. Right. I think that's the biggest thing, too, that 
maybe a lot of first-time investors. I don't know how you see it, Rich, on your end, but they feel like the first house they see, the first multifamily they see, you know, cash flows a little bit. They're like, oh, I got to hop on it versus just looking at the actual deal as a whole and having the wherewithal to be like, nope, this isn't it. Nope, this isn't it. Like just patiently waiting for the correct property for them. And that's the toughest part I see with a lot of people I'm working with is like, all right, will this deal work? And we've kind of already ruled it out. Mm -hmm. And then they come back to it. Well, what if it was like this? It is not like that. (laughs) Uh, So like we need to, we need to just wait, Right. just, just hang tight. So yeah, Rich is working with a lot of people that make their spreadsheet lead. Yeah, <laughs> make yeah. it look good. You can't do that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, you can't the... just like, oh, I know we can get another hundred out of it, and then it makes sense. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, no you, you, only... you look at the price, and you know that right away for a five unit, eight hundred thousand dollars is not where that price should be at. Right in the Manchester well, market. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the not, other don't thing look at can... it anymore. <laughs> right. The other, the other thing that you can look at, like you can keep it in your mix, and that way, as you're watching, you know, if it's on the market for three months, Correct, right. then I'd be having another conversation, right? I like some, I like some of that age stuff. I just bought one that was aged, um, and I just said, "Listen," I said, "You want to keep on holding on, or would you like to actually do something?" Well, and that's what like, I've been trying to tell, uh, you know, a lot of the buyers as we're coming into it. Hey, let's look at, and I, we've talked about this, Matt, probably the last two, three months. Is like if it's been on the market thirty days. Let's go after those, make offers that make sense. If not, keep Mm -hmm. moving on. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, as we probably all know, um, buyers can be a bit emotional about the properties and, and, you know, they want it to fit every criteria and and I get it. I do. Um, But, you know, you'll, you'll, if you get a good deal on a property, you can make that into your ideal situation and you're getting a good deal. Isn't that what it's all about? Right. Getting a good deal. It's really only about the numbers. That's really all it's about. It's really, that's really, I mean, that's where for me, it makes it very easy for me to walk away from a deal. Yeah, because the numbers are the numbers. The numbers are what they are. Don't make your spreadsheet bleed. Don't make your mortgage broker and your real estate broker cry because (laughs) you want to keep on rehashing the bad relationship you're going to have with this bad building. Yeah. Like, don't do it. And the deals, you know, I did two deals in Manchester and- they absolutely owned me for like six years. They were garbage. And I loved the deal. I loved where it was. Oh, it's so fantastic. And I fell in love with it. And I, that was the nastiest divorce I have ever seen. <laughs> I could not wait to get rid of those properties. I was just like, hey, just let's get out of them because I didn't want to be in that market anymore. My model didn't work for that market because I was really focusing on students. So my market just, so a bunch of things just didn't work out and I could not get out of those deals. And somebody was like, dude, you're literally taking less than what you paid for. I said, yeah, but I had principal pay down over a 12 year period. I'm still getting a check at closing. I'm going to take that check and I'm going to repurpose that money and I'll grow that into millions of dollars. Right. I can't keep on holding on to this bad relationship that in hopes that she really finally realized <laughs> right. that she loves me. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, and you said you got a bunch of videos, uh, where can, uh, people find those videos that you're talking about? Yeah. So lumberjack landlord on YouTube is a great place. You can follow me on Instagram, lumberjack landlord on Instagram. Um, we post a lot of stuff there, like current projects. Cause you know, we're goofballs. We'll get into something that's 160 years old and be like, yeah, we can make this perfect. Right. Um, I, we, we still insist that we can do that. The nice <laughs> thing is that you, we've done it enough times where they're just like, ah, here we go again. 
Um, so you can find a lot of that stuff on Lumberjack Landlord on YouTube and certainly follow it on Instagram and then you can see me on Facebook as well. Awesome. Yeah, well, obviously we'll paste all that stuff below when we when we post all <laughs> this. We'll throw that everywhere for uh, for people to go go view your stuff because obviously you're very knowledgeable. You're, you've been doing it for, what, 20 years you're saying now or 18 years, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, so yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you, I think everyone tries to rewrite the, uh, rewrite the book of how to do things versus just reading people that have done it and are successful at doing it and just doing what they do instead of trying to like rewrite everything right so you make your own way yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. and obviously you know you can put your own little spin on things but the general blueprints in front of you (laughs) yeah at the at the end of the day i i don't ask the waiter bringing me my food how they reach financial freedom Mm -hmm. i don't do that and i love my waiters and i tip them really well but I would never ask them that question because if you're having to show up and do that job, then you're not financially free. Mm -hmm. If you want to be financially free, you have to do something different and go above and beyond what others are doing. I think that sharing my journey has helped a lot of people. And I think that there's a lot of tips and tricks that I learned a lot along the way that can drastically reduce the drag of getting successful. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I think it's, I think it's an awesome opportunity, even if somebody's not buying now, but they want to buy when the market corrects, you should be doing all your homework now. You should mm-hmm. be seeing properties now. You should understand what their cash flows are now. You need to understand exactly what that deal looks like because when Rich makes the call and says, hey, I know something that you were looking at. I've got amazing news. Something just came on, motivated seller, need to get you guys in there because this is the deal that you've been waiting for. You will never get that call if you haven't done all that work before. Here. Right, right. The, and then and then lastly, I would just tell you, I think there's a lot of stuff out there for how people can learn to buy property. I think there's not a lot of stuff out there for landlords and how to manage it. And so really my expertise is, sure, I've built a big company and I've got all these rentals and that's great, but I do a really good job of self-managing. So I self-manage these 135 units. Right, right. Yeah, it, that, that's, that's a lot of units for self-management, definitely. And, a lot. And, and there's a skill set to it. Um, sure. You know, I, I do the same. I manage my properties and it's a lot of uh, expectation yeah. setting and, you know, constant reinforcement of those expectations. Yes. <laughs> and I think and I think you said it perfectly. It really is expectation setting, managing to that expectation, but also recognizing what's the right way to engage with the tenant. What are the things that you need to make sure you take care of really quickly? What are the things that, yes, they need addressing, but they don't, we don't need to pay an expedited fee to get them taken care of that day? Right. The key is expectation, delivering on that expectation. But I think that a lot of people struggle with, as they walk around their property, what should I be keeping an eye on? Water heaters, heating systems, roofs, flashing around chimneys, mm-hmm. how to do a rehab. All of that type of stuff is really where I cut my teeth. And so that's where I can help a lot of people out going with the soup cooler. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Well, hey, we're going to wrap up here. I appreciate it. Matt, the Lumberjack cool. Landlord on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all the social media sites. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming in today and chatting with us. Yeah, no, really appreciate this that. This was awesome. We really appreciate it. Guys, my pleasure. Happy to do it. And uh, anybody out there listening, watching, please leave comments. Let us know what you thought. Do you like this? Do you like the lumberjack landlord? Do you want him back? Do you want the other Matt back? I mean, what what what, what do we got here? <laughs> do you want me gone? You want me back? Whatever you want, just leave some comments. Uh, let us know what you thought, and uh, we'll. We'll answer any questions that you throw out there. And uh, if you get any for the Lumberjack Landlord, leave them there too, and we'll we'll get those answered for you. Yes, absolutely. And that is why money matters. matters.